Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to Emerald Sports. All of our listeners around the country, probably state, it's a little too broad. (laughs) Maybe city. At at least Idaho, where my parents are. Shout out. (laughs) Uh, Brennan Ferber here with Shane Hoffman. No Carlos today, uh, but we have a great episode lined up. Shane, how you doing? I'm good, man, and I'm excited to be talking spring football after the spring game. I... uh, not the biggest fan of spring football. It's a lot of just kind of guessing like, and yeah. projecting. And, you know, I'm excited to sit down and talk about spring game and all of spring ball. But personally, for me, it's like when you're going to do it again in August, I just, yeah. even even having to be a reporter, I kind of, especially this year, I've strayed away from, from spring ball a little bit. Yeah, it's a lot of speculation. And I we're going to harp on this a lot probably, but, like, it's so hard to gauge because, mm-hmm. you know, the defense is holding back a little bit. Right. A lot more passing than running, less physical. Uh, but yeah, what have you been covering lately since since basketball wrapped up? Not a ton. I've been doing some stuff for the Oregonian prep stuff, kind of random sports here and there, um, and then trying to just kind of like uh, manage everybody through their spring football stuff. Um, but I'm going to be back in the fall, not necessarily for the animal, but I will be covering football. So I'm excited for that, and I do need to kind of dive in a little bit more. And there's so much turnover, and there's so much, I guess, it seems like newfound excitement around the program. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at what happened with Duck Days, and or Duck Day, whatever they call it, and just all the events that were happening, you know, I did go to part of the spring game. Um, it's cool to see see the energy. Honestly. You can feel it. It's different. I mean, it's a whole new regime. Uh, the sun rose on the Dan Lanning era. Uh, the game was on the 22nd, so we're a little late getting to it, but, you know, better late than never. Uh, but, yeah, the Duck fans showed out. There was an estimated 45,000 people. You could really feel the energy. Uh, a lot of excitement for this new culture, this new team. Uh, including some of the alumni. You had D'Anthony Thomas, LaMichael James, Eric Armstead, Haloti Nada, just to name a few who were coaching. Uh, and the Yellow ended up beating the Green team with a score of 31-21 and gave us a little bit of a sneak peek about what the team might look like next season. So uh, you just want to go down by position, or do you have any takeaways before we uh, get into this? Well, yeah, just quickly, you mentioned the alumni. Um, it's been cool to see how well Lanning has kind of managed that, just because you know there was so much talk about how some of the alumni were upset that they didn't go with, like, Wilcox when they were hiring and whatnot. And to see him, you know, getting so much energy surrounding the program to have such, you know, positive momentum, I guess, with the alumni, with fans, with players, you know, retaining players, coaching staff, whatnot. Um, It's just great to see. And I'm not, like, shocked, but... You know, it's gone pretty much as well as it, it, it can. And it's funny, you know, we start, we'll start with quarterback. There's another place that you said, you know, new regime, new offense, it looks mm-hmm. like, right? I mean, they took a ton of deep shots in that game. They really did. Yeah, we can just get started with Bo Nix. Uh, a very solid debut, I thought. And I was not sure about that transfer from the get-go. I think a lot of us uh, were excited about Ty Thompson, thought the keys were going to be handed over to him. But Dan Lanning wanted a veteran QB. So we brought him over, and the, the first play of the game was like a 60-, 70-yard bomb to Seven McGee. Uh, he had three touchdowns on the day, along with 230 yards passing, and unfortunately, one pick. <laughs> Sorry. Interceptions I, were, a, here. were a problem, yeah. Yeah, and it was a really bad decision, too. Like yeah. Threw it up in triple coverage. I know that was a big knock on him at Auburn, that and health. But, yeah, what did you take away from it? I was wrong about this whole quarterback situation as much as a spring game can tell you, I guess. I think I I felt like from what I knew and watched of Bo Nix, which, you know, wasn't everything, obviously, I wasn't sure if he was going to be the guy to kind of unlock a passing attack. I knew about, you know, his so-and's, like, you know, his veteran qualities and the fact that he could move. But, like, Ty Thompson, I, I figured 
naturally passing wise would just have more talent. And he he still could, but mm. it seems very clear that Bo Nix is the guy now. I would be, you know, I would have been surprised if if Bo Nix hadn't started before, and now I'd be shocked if he didn't start, especially going into Georgia. Yeah, well, the main thing I took away was his composure. He looked very cool in the pocket. You could tell which one was the veteran quarterback and which one was the red shirt. Uh, he moved really well. There were a lot of throws where, you know, he stepped in, he drove the ball. Uh, he was reading. His reads were exceptional, except for the one pick. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I expect him to tighten up the turnovers before September, hopefully. But uh, I thought Thompson was okay. He went 12 for 27, 168 yards, touchdown, two picks. Was definitely the inferior of the two. Uh, but he showed flashes as well. He had what I thought was the pass of the game where he hit Chris Hudson on the play that he actually got hurt on like a beautiful touch pass to the left side of the field. Yeah, and and I, we, I think we'd probably be remiss if we didn't, you know, mention Butterfield as well. Of course. I, I don't, I don't like, for some reason, I don't love his release. It looks kind of weird for a guy as tall as him. But he made some good plays, I thought. He played, he, he didn't quite let it rip like the other two guys, but he, mm-hmm. you know, he looked totally fine. Um same thing happened with Robbie Ashford last year, and then he transfers. Jay Butterfield, it seems like he's going to go one of two ways now. He's either going to transfer out after this year, or he's going to stick around, and he might get lucky in like his fourth or fifth year he gets a shot to start. But you know, I would imagine he's probably kind of not buried on the depth chart because only so many guys. But I don't, I, not that so many people thought he might, but I don't think there's a chance that he sneaks up really. And I'd be shocked if he grabbed the backup spot from Ty at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of a clear-cut hierarchy, I would think. I, I, in a lot of practices, you know, you'd see the leaks on Twitter about who was getting reps with the first team, and it looked like they really were kind of alternating. Um, but it looked like they gave Bo Nix most of the weapons, which was curious to me. Mm-hmm. I know it's staggered because it's the spring game, and Cardwell and Hudson went down early. But, I mean, he had seven McGee, Dante Thornton. So, I mean, do you think— Well, he had the—it was funny because he had the exciting weapon. I feel like he had the weapons that people wanted to see the most. Yes, Which is, which is interesting. And, and they both— were extremely impressive. I mean, people can't stop raving about Thornton, and then McGee is like almost already like a like a, uh, a cult legend or something yeah. <laughs> around Oregon. It's kind of funny. Um, I guess you know that's a pretty easy transition into the running backs. Byron Cardwell, pretty low usage in the in the spring game. Not a shock. We expect him to start, um, so they didn't want to put too much on him. And then you had you know Sean Dollars, who you know. W- had some good moments last year, battled injuries, and then no Whittington, kind of a burner. You know, he was the guy who transferred in. You know, we, it was nice to see a little bit of him. But then, crazy enough, they just added another guy. The Minnesota, uh, yeah. right, Marquise uh, Irving. Irving. Yep. And at first, I saw that I was kind of confused. He's a young guy, but then I realized they really only have three scholarship running backs, which is just not enough, especially when you run the ball a good amount. So, you know, I haven't watched too much Irving. I know he's. He's pretty athletic. He's a, he's a smaller guy. He's about 5'10", but, you know, not not weak by any means. He's still well-built. Um, so you have four guys there that I think everyone would be super excited because they're all fresh. Yeah, and I would expect them to kind of take a more of a committee approach mm-hmm. next season. I don't know if there's a clear-cut starter, but keeping dollars uh, at Oregon was one of the biggest wins of the offseason, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. He went into the transfer portal, then withdrew. Travis Dye ends up transferring, but he has exceptional speed, agility, and toughness. I was noticing that, whether it be putting his head down on inside zones or mm-hmm. even pass protecting. There was a play on special teams where he was getting down and dirty too. Uh, so very excited what he can do in this offense with an increased workload. He ended up getting nine touches for 49 yards. And then Whittington, uh, you mentioned him, transferred from Western Kentucky. Uh, I didn't watch any of him last year because Western Kentucky was never on TV. Mm. So I didn't know a lot about him, but I thought he made a great first impression. Yeah. He'll probably be like the change of pace guy. 
Um, I expect maybe a third down <clears throat> back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing because you lose the pass catching with with um, Die. I'm curious why you don't think that they might have Byron Carwell be like a kind of a bell cow back. I mean, he got the most touches last season mm-hmm. over dollars. Um, I didn't see a lot of him. Uh, I thought he looked great last year. The thing I mm-hmm. like about Cardwell is his patience and mm-hmm. kind of his vision. He's, he's got a great build. Too. Yeah, and he's, he's got taller. You know, I guess because they don't have, you know, I, what's Byron Cardwell? Six foot, maybe two hundred pounds. Six foot one, maybe even. Yeah. So, and they've had a lot of injuries at running back in the past. True. So true. I guess I'm just a little cautious about that. That's uh, why adding a guy like Irving makes sense. exactly, and that I think that goes to show that it's probably going to be dispersed a little mm-hmm. more. And it makes sense, too, because McGee looks great at receiver. He's a kind of a guy that can do a lot there. And he, I'm sure they'll still have McGee do some stuff in the backfield, kind of like an H-back role. Like, I don't know if you remember, like, Curtis Samuel when he was in yeah, college. Absolutely. Like, that kind of that kind of role almost. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, honestly, we'll, we'll go to receiver in a second, but I think, you know, a lot of Cardwell, a lot of dollars, and I think – it's hard to know about Irving because he's getting here late too, but Whittington, I think, will probably be more of a change of pace back, but that's not to say like he couldn't lead the Ducks um, in rushing yards in a few games. A- at receiver, this is what I'm most excited for because they just didn't use the guys at the end of last year. I wrote a story oh. like <clears throat> it was after the second Utah game, Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red were like ruled out for the season essentially, um, and it was like... It was tough because I, I felt like they didn't really get their due. It was almost sad, you know. They were on those Herbert teams where, you know, Herbert was essentially only throwing um, to, excuse me, what was his name? Dylan Mitchell. Dylan, Dylan Mitchell. Yep. Um, and then they kind of ascended, and then they didn't really go out on top, it seemed like. Um, and, but those are also, like, the last guys of the last kind of era of Oregon recruiting where it's like um, now you look across the board – not just like the stars, but the height, the athletic profiles. And then you get a guy like Chase Coda, who was phenomenal. Yeah, I had a blast watching Coda. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I didn't realize he was that good of a deep threat. Now you look at the room, and I mean, there's a ton of guys. It looks great, and I don't think it's how people expected it to look. You know, you had Devin Williams, who declared, I think, earlier than people might have thought. And then Micah Pittman, who fans thought was going to be here for a while, transferred out. But yeah, I mean, the passing attack has been a weak link. Lately, even since even when Herbert was here, I felt like the offense was never geared towards his strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you had Anthony Brown. I felt like the playbook was either an option or a rollout pass where you isolated one side of the field. So I expect them to open things up a lot. But yeah, you talk like about, the, the deep crossing routes you saw. Yeah, that's that's fun stuff. Maybe some rub routes too, because we have yeah. a lot of speed. Uh, Seven McGee showed out. He was a big recruit, I know, and showed us why. Six catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown which he caught on like a bobble. Yeah, really impressive. impressive. Uh, he was also the lead kick returner and was good in that facet of the game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about it with him playing back a little bit. I love his versatility. He can play in the slot, out, out wide. Absolutely. And, you know, they'll have several guys back returning kicks, but he'll be one of them. And he's a guy that I don't think I'd predict him to lead Oregon in all-purpose yards, mm-hmm. but he'd be one of my first picks if we were doing a draft for that, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, you put him in the slot. But you have, like, Dante Thornton, like, he's skinny, but he's, like, 6'5", six he's, five, six five, he's yeah. fast. Troy Franklin, 6'2", six 6'3", six fast. And that's not even, like, Chris Hudson was the best receiver on the team for, like, I want to say the last, like, damn near month of the season last yeah. year. So you got him, too. You got Chase Coda. So that's already five, like, guys you feel very comfortable with, I'd say. And then, you know, Isaiah Crocker had some moments. That's six. And then you have Josh Delgado, who has had some moments. 
And then the you know the guys we haven't really seen uh, Brevard and Justia Slow, the true freshman. But that's like they're going pretty legit nine deep there. Yeah, how much? Not to mention they just get the the recruit the other day, and I I have to apologize again. These names are eluding me. Um, but they just Kyler Casper, and he's yes. going to be ready for for August, and so and he's another big recruit and a big yeah. body. So a lot of guys there. A lot of guys, and I'm just curious, how much do you think not only the scheme, but the culture will change? Because if you go way back to the Chip Kelly days, it was a lot of finesse, mm-hmm. a lot of zone running, the hurry-up offense. Everybody knows about that. Uh, and then they bring in Crystal Ball, who's you know, a former O-lineman, O-line coach at Alabama, and they go to kind of a smash-mouth offense, a lot of power running. He brought in a lot of big O-linemen. And it almost looks like, I mean, I was getting kind of nostalgic watching them out there in the spring game. Do you think they might revert a little bit more to that finesse style? Totally. But I think it's like, it's it's going to have to be a combination because Dan Lennon comes from the SEC. He knows how important the run game is. They just got another run that we were just talking about. Yeah. It's not going to be, and not that Chip Kelly ever abandoned the run, right? Because it was, it was a multifaceted well, offense. Michael James, Kenyon. Right, totally. Right, so yeah. I think it's going to be balanced still. But it's, I, I would be shocked if it wasn't more explosive. I mean, that was one of the biggest things that jumped out at me during his introductory press conference where, you know, coaches are going to say a lot of generic things. He's like, you know, explosive plays and turnover differential. Those are the two things that matter the most now in college football and in football in general. And so he made it very clear that explosive plays matter. And based off their personnel and the spring game, it seems like... Should be no shortage. Yeah. Right. Again, we haven't seen them play a game yet. If they go out and they score seven points against Georgia on September 3rd, I'm not going to be shocked, right? So it's like, I don't know. But, you know, and and it's all going to be kind of upheld by this offensive line that you look again and, you know, you have that Rose Bowl group that was super veteran-laden, and now we're back to another group who's you know, all juniors and seniors and have been together for several years now. Yeah, definitely. And uh, before we move on to the other position, I just want to touch on Chase Coda again because, yeah. wow. Yeah, he kind of he was barely a blip on my radar when they brought him in from UCLA. He's from Oregon, lived in Medford. I did a little more research, but wow. I feel like he could do some big things this season. Mm-hmm. Six catches, 100 yards. He was very technically sound. I yeah. thought he was the best route runner on the field. Uh, he was settling into the weak spots in the zone. His footwork, I mean, he could change on a dime. The cuts he made. A uh, lot of chunk plays, and I feel like he could be a safety blanket for whatever quarterback's playing. Yeah, well, he's he's the most uh, accomplished receiver on this team now. You know, based on what he did at UCLA, you know, all these other guys, even Chris Hudson, they just haven't uh, produced much in their young careers. Um, <laughs> I, I, want, I want to know what you think about the offensive line. Um, yeah, let's get into it. TJ Bass at left guard is a guy that I'm already seeing on, like, first-round mock drafts for next year. Um, St- Forsyth. Steven Jones is huge. Yeah. Alex Forsyth is a stud. Ryan Walk, undersized, but we talk about it all the time how technical he is. And Malasala is huge at the right tackle position. And the biggest thing that threw me for a loop last season with Cristobal was how much he rotated the offensive line. Hmm. I had never really seen that before. It's like not uncommon to do it with one position, but there was like they had like it seemed like four or five lineups of offensive linemen. And it's like one thing if you're rotating running backs or receivers, the offensive line kind of seems of. Yeah. so communication oriented. I just I can't help but think that that like messed with. I I get that you have a lot of talented guys because we didn't mention like John, uh, Dawson John Marillo who played a lot last year, but that much switching has got to yeah. mess with you, no? No, it was. It, you're right. It's different, and that's why it's so hard to make a call on the O line and the D line in the spring game because they're staggered. 
and you're right, communication oriented, kind of you're only as strong as your weakest link kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I was amazed with the fact that they were able to keep everybody, every all the starters except George Moore, uh, who just signed with the Green Bay Packers, I believe, as an undrafted free agent. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things Cristobal did well. Recruiting O-linemen was one of those things. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it'll be one of the best in the Pac-12 this year. I think it's safe to say. But uh, just as it has been, right? yeah, I don't, I don't think there will be as much switching. I would hope not. But yeah, like I said, tough to make a call when when it's yeah. I think there there were six sacks allowed by the L team and three by the Green, so you can kind of mm -hmm. make of that what you will. But a yeah. little hard to evaluate, right? No, definitely. Um, and when you're just you know touching someone as a sack, you're gonna get more sacks exactly. than normal. But no, totally. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be cool to see the student all together. Obviously, a huge test to start the season. Yeah. Um, with, with Georgia. The 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 tight end room is super interesting to me too because Spencer Webb. It's it's not only deep, but it, it also echoes that kind of thought that they might want to stretch the field more. And, and there's been some quotes about how the tight end group was maybe underutilized last year. It certainly seemed that way based on how talented some of these guys looked. Spencer Webb is a great pass catcher. And then the the true sophomores, Terrence Ferguson and and Matavao, like they looked really solid. And then you still got Cam McCormick there. And is Patrick Herbert playing? Yes, yeah, so he's on the, the depth chart. He's better. getting back from injury, and I mean that's another guy too. It's like I don't think he'll be a huge. I could be wrong. I don't think he'll be you know a huge threat this year just because there's so many guys ahead of him now. But he's young. He's got extra eligibility. Um, so you have like five bodies there, and and it's not like these young guys can't block either. Like I, yeah. I you know, they got some of that influence from Cristobal, I'm sure. And so the offense looks so explosive on paper. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Spencer Webb. Uh, I thought he was a big target for Brown last season. It's important that we not forget about the tight ends with mm -hmm. all the, these weapons at receiver. Uh, but yeah, up the seam. I mean, I think Spencer Webb you could see as a big red zone target. And if we're trying to get into a little predictions, maybe the touchdown receiver leader? I don't know. What do you I, think? I don't hate that as a, as kind of like a hot take, honestly. Because yeah. you, you saw it uh, two years ago. He had that huge catch against Auburn. Was that two years ago? Was that three now? Three years ago now. Jeez, wow. man. The Rose Bowl year. Yeah. Um, he had that huge catch in that Auburn game, and then he played a lot based on injuries above him. He gets almost like split out like a receiver part of that season, and he has some really nice moments. And then they just he, – it felt like he got a little lost in the depth mm. chart last year. But he is still – the kind of the veteran in the room there with Cam McCormick, who hopefully can stay healthy and play some. I mean, he's the fact that he's still even trying to play is so impressive to me. I mean, he's gone through so much. Not get discouraged. If, yeah, if yeah. you if you don't know, look it up for who people are listening. I mean, it's it's a crazy injury history at this point, and then he gets hurt again last year after making a huge catch against Ohio State, just demoralizing as hell. But you talked about the sacks a second ago. I'm so excited to watch this defense, especially since if Absolutely. you're watching the NFL draft, you see like what seven or eight Georgia defenders come like off the, the board round. in like the yeah. first and second round, Nuts. and then there's going to be three or four more next year. Obviously, part of that had to do with talent and the fact that they were literally the Nashville. best defense in the in the nation. Of course, but there's a lot of guys on this defense that I'm just super excited about. Um, and, and honestly, it starts on the defensive line. What are what are your impressions of the D line? Uh, well, I thought Traven May was exceptional. Mm -hmm. He had four tackles, one TFL, a sack. 
He's going into his senior season and should be a big weapon coming off the edge, uh, especially with the absence of Thibodeau, will be very welcomed. But yeah, I mean, they're going to be making the switch from a 4-3 to a 3-4 because mm-hmm. uh, that's what Dan Lanning ran in Georgia. And they'll play some so, multiple. Like, there'll be a lot of looks they throw out. I'm sure, yeah. They're probably going to do a lot of... Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like Stunts. Stunts, like exactly, yeah. yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited about linebacker. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure how they'll how they'll play the D line, but I'm just praying to God that Justin Flo is healthy this year because he's a guy I've been wanting to see ever since they recruited him. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So I guess for the D line, for me, um, Brandon Dorless is going to have a breakout year. That's I don't think that's our you know hot take. He was so good last year in all the stuff that doesn't show up in the traditional box test, so like pressure rate and all that stuff. He was phenomenal. Um, uh, you know, almost best on the line, especially when Kivido, uh, tip, uh, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, Thibodeau was out. Braden Swinson is another guy. Like everyone was saying, he was too small to play edge rusher, and he's still skinny, but he put on a lot of weight in the offseason. You could tell, hell of a pass rusher. And then DJ Johnson, like there, there wasn't really much room in the tight end room, so they move him over. Obviously, he played end at Miami. He played end the first year when he was here. He went crazy in the spring game. And, like, all the quotes about him have been, like, uh, just effusively praising him. If he doesn't have a breakout, I'd be surprised. And, like, that was the biggest thing for me. I was like, okay, you have Brandorlis who can play DN. He can play inside. Swinson's more of an edge rusher, stand-up guy. If DJ Johnson can be, like, a legitimate edge threat, then I feel so much better about this line because their interior is fine. You have Popo Amavai. You have Kayonware Hudson. Sam Taimani came over. Yeah. Um, Suava Poti. Christian Williams, all these guys, Keanu Williams. So if the edge comes together, that's going to be scary. Now, DJ Johnson, like, if you've yeah. ever been around him, he is a huge guy. 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, it looks like Predator just built. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they brought him in from, like, Miami, right? Yeah, he came in, what, like, three years ago now, and he just, you know, he wasn't able to, he played both ways last year, but still flashed as a pass rusher. If he's just focusing on pass rusher, I think he could be an absolute threat off the edge. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I have the numbers. I'm looking at him right now. Seven tackles, five of those were TFLs, and mm-hmm. four sacks. Yeah. So no question he'll be coming off the edge next season. Uh, and what about inside with guys like Noah Sewell, Mace Funa, Justin Flo? Yeah, when you move back to linebacker, Noah Sewell, this is going to be his last year. I'd be surprised if he stays another one. He's yeah. going to be a first-round pick. He's probably one of, if not the best off-ball linebackers in, in the nation entering this year. Um, you know, it's going to be, can he improve as a, um, you know, kind of a, a defender um, against the pass. Yeah. Uh, he can improve as a pass coverage guy. Um, same with Sewell, probably. Uh, it's a flow, excuse me. Um, but those guys, yeah. Justin and Noah, like that's going to be so fun to watch if they're healthy. It looks like they will be. Flo, um, is, is looks like he's got the green light to go. Um, but, you know, it's it's more the outside I'm curious about because Got Keith Brown as a good backup now. You got Jackson Leduca, so they're deep yeah. again there. Bossa is going to stay at linebacker, which I love. He could play kind of one of those, uh, you know, maybe maybe stronger weak side. Um, then the outside is just my only question. Like I just, I'm not like totally sold on Mace Funa. He's had a lot of injuries, but I don't know what. Like, is there another guy maybe you're looking at outside linebacker? Uh, you already named Jackson Leduc. Uh, I like him a lot. I. Anticipated it'll be Flo Sewell at inside, but I also feel like Flo could play outside. He's got the yeah. athleticism to do That's so. That's a good point, and yeah. I haven't thought about that, but I wouldn't be shocked. Definitely. I mean, pass, uh, especially if like they feel like his coverage is a weakness, mm-hmm. uh, especially against like tight ends and maybe covering uh, like running back screens. Mm. Have him come off the edge. He's big. He's strong. Yeah. Um, 
I think uh, there's no doubt in my mind he could do that. And then maybe you could plug in Funa and Sewell uh, and then just get a rotation on the outside with DJ Johnson and Leduc. Uh, and then, of course, Traven Mai. I guess he's more of a defensive lineman. But, yeah. but I would like guys like him and, and Swinson, though, I, again, like ben and Brandon Buckner, even, like they'll probably play oh, yeah. on the outside. That's why it's interesting because you saw, like, so Trayvon Walker's an number one pick in, in the draft right. on Thursday. And you're going to have Nolan Smith next season. Right, right, exactly. Go. So it's like Trayvon Walker, though, he was a guy that he played all over, and, like, some people weren't even sold on him because he didn't, like, have, like, a true position. He played everywhere. And, like, I think they're going to be so positionless on defense this year. They did a little bit last year, but I just look at, like, down the line, like, almost every other guy I have on this, like, depth chart I have pulled up here is a guy that I'm like, oh, he could play one or two, maybe three positions. Yeah. And that, that goes on into the secondary as well. Definitely. So much you can do. Uh, and, I mean, I trust Dan Lanning, who just coached that defense in Georgia, to make the most of it. Uh, let's move into what I think probably, uh, I mean, a little ambiguous. Could be a strength, could be a liability, because we've had so many tur- uh, so much turnover. But the DBs, mm-hmm. what do you make of them? I feel better about that group now than I did a few months ago. Yeah. Um, no shock there. Christian Gonzalez, I think he has the potential the Colorado transfer to be a total number one lockdown guy. He's got the frame for it. He's also an absolute nightmare as a run defender in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Um, really, really good as a, as a run defender um, at the DB position. Um, and then Dante Manning, if he stays healthy, like that's a great number two cornerback, right? You know, you wouldn't be surprised if, if he uh, is able to lock down that position. The question comes with the safety positions because mm. if they move... Brian was, well, yeah, you got Brian Addison back yep. there, former receiver who's just long as hell. He's got a good range. Very versatile. Triquest Bridges, you know, a cornerback, but he played safety in high school. I think they're going to move him all over the place, but I think they might move him back. I mean, he's he's another guy that they won't stop talking about. And if you move him to safety, then the like the depth at corner is a little bit suspect. Not suspect because you got some young guys there, but. Yeah. So they'll be moving around a lot because um, at the safety position, you also have like Steve Stevens still. Um, and that hasn't even got into kind of like Nickelback, um, like the star position with, with Bennett Williams and, and Jamal Hill. I don't know. Both of those guys are great. I don't even know who they'll start there. Yeah, and Jaleel Florence, too. Obviously a highly touted recruit. I think he'll have a big role. Uh, he had arguably the play of the game when he jumped up and tipped the ball and, and then picked it off of a, yeah. yeah the guy's legs. He's not incredibly big, no. but he's got excellent ball skills. That's the thing. These yeah, really these good guys speed. are yeah. There's there's yeah Dickerson and Barkins. Um, they're they're they've got talent. They are just they are small, right? Um, which is you know that might be okay because the the it looks like most of the starting DBs are going to be tall and they're going to be physical. Mm-hmm. If you run down the list of just like Christian Gonzalez, Brian Addison, Bridges, Dante Manning, and then either Bennett or Jamal Hill. Every single one of those guys is at least six foot, if not six one, six two, or six three. Yeah, and you also have Marco Vidacevic, uh, the guy. You know, we all remember that quote where he told the <laughs> yeah. Ohio State recruits that they'd better come to Oregon. Yeah, you got so um, many guys. I mean, Damon David, um, Dondrell Brooks. They're just and like JJ Greenfield was a guy that didn't play with the team last year. And I don't know exactly why, um, but he was like great on special teams, and I thought he was going to have a good year last year. Wasn't with the team. He comes back like. Another guy is like you're not gonna be socked if he's in the rotation somehow. So again, like it's it's a little fragile at cornerback if you get injury. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they have guys who can play two positions is is advantageous because I think they're gonna want to get Bennett Williams on the field. Obviously, 
but I don't think they want to take Jamal Hill off of it. Like Jamal Hill, when he's been right, has been fantastic. Um, he just hasn't always been able to stay on the field, obviously. So I don't know. When you look at the the defense as a whole, like what what do you think best and worst case might be for the unit? Um. Well, best case, I think best in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely have the potential to do that. Uh, and then worst case, I think a few injuries it yeah. can be insurmountable. But I feel like a lot of the depth that you're talking about is in like the starting lineup with mm-hmm. how you can shuffle guys around. Like Brian Addison, for example, if you get an injury at corner, that's where he started when he came over from receiver. Mm-hmm. And then they slide him over to safety where he looks like he's getting a little more comfortable. Um, but another question for you, with all you mentioned how big these guys are in the secondary. Uh, if there are some coverage difficulties within the linebacker group, are there any of them that you feel could play up in the box and mm-hmm. like even help in the ground control maybe? Yeah, I mean, you saw that with like Bennett a little bit last year. Jamal Hill is like the guy that's closest to like a linebacker build. Um, and you already, you already have Jeffrey Bossa playing up there. So yeah, I would say um, Jamal Hill for sure. Bennett Williams for sure. I wonder... Because you have guys that like that can play slot corner and they can tackle well, but... Maybe like even a, hmm, I gotta think about this now. I like maybe even Triquez Bridges. He isn't the the like uh, most physically built guy, but he's tall and like rangy. Like I wouldn't even be surprised if they do some crazy, you know, kind of alignment stuff with him. So I think there are options there. I agree with what you said. Like I think top in the Pac-12, best case, and it seems like pretty likely. I mean, not okay. yeah. Not pretty likely, but I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think they're at least a top three group in the Pac-12 if they're healthy. But you're right, like, the injuries derailed them last year. They're deeper this year. Um, they're just, like, not deep in the defensive backfield in that same way. We talked about the, you know, positionless play, but I feel, you know, obviously you don't want, like, a Brandon Doralis or a Noah Sewell to go down. Um, but I feel like if almost any of these other guys go down, like, there's guys that they can plug these positions with, especially at inside linebacker and especially on the interior, the uh, defensive That's line. That's where they're deepest, for sure, right. I feel. Yeah, you mentioned, like, Jackson's power Johnson is playing D-line yeah. now, too. So it's like, there's just so many guys. Yeah, uh, very exciting. Um, how do you think things will play out in the Pac-12 this year? You had Lincoln Riley coming into USC. The assumption mm-hmm. there is that it'll be either be them or Utah defending mm-hmm. that title in the South. And then is there any big threat you see in the North to challenge the Ducks I mean Washington's kind of fallen off a little bit Stanford had that big upset last year but I'm looking around and it's like Oregon State maybe is that the biggest level of competition you have to love what Oregon State's done over the past few years Um, Washington you know new coach Michael Penix coming over for Indiana like really talented quarterback there it's just their offense was so putrid last year um, that it couldn't make up for well, and they had the coaching turnover in the middle of the right, season. Right, and their defense just couldn't make up for it, yeah. um, even though it was pretty talented. Uh, yeah, it's tough, and, and I probably won't have a great feel for it until it gets closer to next season, but I think Oregon State almost might be the team you want. You know, the the, the North is kind of weak right now. Definitely Washington weaker than State's the South. got a new quarterback, so who knows there. Uh, but I think, I think, yeah, Utah for sure has to be watched. I think they're a really talented mm-hmm. team. USC, I just don't even know what to make of them yet. Like, they could run away with this thing, or they could have some kind of first-year struggles, and I wouldn't be shocked either way. They have a lot of potency on offense. Their defense, eh, they got talent, but they just haven't been that good these past few years, right? So they also lose 
some talent right in the draft. So I, I'm not like I, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah wins the South. Um, but though I mean, those are the teams. Like if you're like a, a casual or someone who just wants to watch the best Pac-12 teams, the three teams I'm giving you is Oregon, USC. And Utah, I think UCLA might have a little bit of a regression this year, but there's another team to watch. Um, but yeah, and I think I think the South is going to be more yeah. fun. Yeah, I wouldn't expect Arizona to make any noise, <laughs> but Arizona State was a team that kind of disappointed me last season. I they thought did. they'd be a lot better. And now Jaden Daniels is gone, right? Exactly. Now. So you're going to see some regression there, um, or they find their guy that it just works better. Right? I, I don't know. I just think exactly. there's less wins that come by there. Um, the North just yeah, it doesn't really. One of these teams will be good, you know, like Washington State might surprise people. Um, Cal's always looming, I guess, but mm. no one's really taking them too seriously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing is, like, you know, you have Georgia, and then you have BYU, who's a really, really talented team, and that's not going to be yeah. an easy game at all. Eastern They're, Washington. Yeah, and I think those sandwich Eastern Washington, right? Um, but, like, you know, BYU is going to be ranked probably at some point in the season. But once you get through that, like, their their regular season schedule is not you know over the top competitive. Yeah, what you think about that? But and I feel like a lot of the big games are home games this year, which is mm-hmm. nice. Like Dub, UCLA, Chip Kelly coming back is always a fun night. Uh, but if, yeah, I if mean, you, I guess if you could like if you look at like one or two of those games to highlight in the in Pac-12 play, which ones would they be? Because you know, we're not going to talk football for a while again. So let me pull up the schedule. Here. Yeah, because for me it's like you're right. You have Stanford coming. You have UCLA come. It's just like the. It seems like Utah is the only pick there. Like that late November game in Eugene against Utah. That's gonna be huge um, for yeah. the guys that were on last year's team, especially. Well, and I feel like that's something we always say, and then they drop a game that nobody yeah, really anticipates. Be... Uh, yeah, fans. I mean, patience is big. Mm-hmm. We can't expect things to to flip this quickly, especially when you're going. Uh, it's a neutral site, but you're playing Georgia right off the bat, the defending <laughs> yeah. champs. It's and neutral BYU. in Atlanta, Georgia, believe it or not. Yeah. Neutral site, hey. right. So, yeah, we'll see. Hey, we, we travel well. Yeah. We'll uh, no, no, but uh, definitely hostile territory. Uh, home against Stanford, that's a game to watch, definitely. Uh, I feel like they always drop one in the desert. So I'm hoping, I mean, Arizona's yeah, they, pretty uh, terrible. Yeah. So. I, know. I I think yeah. for me it's like, and we can... I'm I'm gonna go to the Georgia game. I'm gonna cover it. I'm super excited. That's awesome. I think I you know. only like the only thing you want there for okay for me. Throw the score out of the window. What I would like to see from Oregon is that they don't look athletically outmatched, and they're they're probably gonna to an extent. But like, you want to feel like they have the athletes that at least belong on the same field, right? And that this they're not just completely getting embarrassed like they have been. You know, honestly, against the Utah team, I don't think that was athleticism necessarily. That seemed more like discipline and poise. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, you want to see them keep it close. Everyone would love a win. I just don't think that's reasonable. Um, I, again, you just want to see functional offense. Like you want to see them not be able to move the ball, right? You want to see something that works, some feisty stops here and there, but you just want to feel like athletically they are starting to look more like one of these kind of blue blood programs. Definitely something that can represent the Pac-12 a mm-hmm. little bit. We've seen a uh, that's that Ohio State win was great, but exactly. Yeah, exactly, and that's why Lincoln Riley came to USC because mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I want to make it to the playoff. Oklahoma's moving to the SEC. Do I want to go through Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, or do I want to go through Arizona and Oregon right, Utah, and Stanford? Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, it'll 
it'll show that you know it, it'll be appealing to recruits definitely mm -hmm. the ohio state win did so much for us but um, and it was cool too because with the ohio state win like Ohio State almost seemed like more of a finesse team last year, and that mm -hmm. showed in that game especially. Like Ohio State was a phenomenal team, and they had phenomenal players going to the draft. But it did seem like their their talent was like more at the skill positions than you know, and then then defensive yeah, backfield than it was the first round, right? Um, than it was you know in the trenches. And so again, like Cristobal's gone, but you, like you want to keep them, you want to see them continue kind of that not the ground and pound part of it necessarily, but like if they can continue to kind of embody a more physical brand of football in the Pacific Northwest, that's important. Well, and that was the Achilles heel for years. Yeah. Every time under Chip Kelly, when they'd play the Auburns or even Stanford, mm -hmm. you know, they'd get just ran over. But uh, with the assumption that Bo Nix will probably be the starting quarterback, do you see him lasting the whole season or do you think they make a change at some point? It's hard to know when we haven't seen him play, but unless they get, you know, really embarrassed... Like, unless they get blown out in Atlanta, scrape by Eastern Washington, then lose to BYU, like, I I think he'll probably stay, barring injuries. Okay. I, I would be surprised. I mean, again, people were clamoring all of last season for Ty Thompson, and Nate Costa, the quarterback's coach, came out and said, he's at Nevada, he came out and said they got close a few times putting Ty in, especially in that bowl game. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't see it happening because I think once they get through that early gauntlet, like, I don't expect Washington State, Arizona, UCLA's defense to be amazing. Stanford and Cal might be fine, but I think they'll have some games where they put up some big numbers. And so, I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I would I'd probably say about next. Yeah, I mean, like you said, barring injury, I'm sure with a few of those games, you'll see maybe tie in garbage time. We saw it with yeah, Anthony Brown so, right? and Bo Nix is a massive upgrade over Anthony Brown. I think we all know that. Uh, but yeah, very excited. Very excited to see this new. This new coaching staff. Mm -hmm. What do you uh, think about the draft, real quick? I was surprised only one went. I mean, we talked yeah. a little bit when we were kind of doing our own mock about you know Veron McKinley didn't run the fastest forty, um, but yeah, I mean one player that's got to be the the, le the least in a while, right? Yeah, I don't remember the year, but they they put that stat out there like the and lowest then, since. And Mikhail Wright still hasn't landed. I th from what I, I hear. thought I saw Seahawks. I think he got an invite to their mini Yes, camp. okay, yeah. right, right, right. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I mean, first off, I think it good fit for Kayvon. He doesn't drop too far. but Flashy a little yeah, bit. I, I yeah, I think that's New a good York. spot. I think New York had a good draft. I I was surprised that Verone didn't go. I really was. like, And I, I was reading it, like, John Canzano had a call the other day where he just felt like, you know, okay, maybe these guys just got really bad advice because none of them got drafted outside of Kayvon. And that's it is surprising to me because it was this was a ten and four team last year. These guys, if they weren't great recruits, they had great production, or they were really good recruits that flashed, like a Devin Williams. Yeah. Um, again, he gets picked up with the with the Ravens, probably a good fit, honestly. Not the deepest receiving room. Uh, C.J. Verdell with the Colts, like I don't know, I wouldn't be shocked if he kind of finds a home there temporarily. And then Verone, that the fact that he went to uh, Miami Javon, is fucking yeah. perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, with Javon Holland being there and like a team that values DBs. I again, I still think he has a great chance to carve out a role. I just, yeah, I was really surprised, and I don't know what the deal is with that. Because I, I think all these guys, if they'd come back another year, would have had fantastic years and would have gotten drafted probably. I did see a tweet that said that this Oregon class is going to be remembered as the class that declared too early, yeah. and I think that's really true. Because I mean, we had faith in them, but we, we saw how it went. Uh, Especially if there's a successful season under landing and. Landing, yeah, definitely. These defensive guys, Some of those DBs, like, if we were able to keep, like, Rome, really Rome would have been would have been really key this year. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's 
It's a little bit yeah. bewildering to me because mm. I felt like they had a lot of talent. Um, How many of you uh, do you think stick? If you had to make a guess on preseason cuts and, mm. and everything like that. I don't think I would bet on almost any of them except I just think something about Verone. I would just be really surprised if he doesn't stick with the team. Even if it's not the Dolphins, like, I just think he's so smart. His intellect. He yeah. carries himself so well. And like he just had such good production. Like he was a, a finalist for the uh for the Thorpe Award. Um but you know, like it's like not that often you see guys be finalists and not get drafted. Like it was him and like Sauce Gardner and some other guys and Again, the athleticism may be a question, but there have been safeties that aren't super athletic on the back end, but get away with instincts because it's like it's so um, kind of intellectually driven as a position yeah. in the in the defensive backfield, just making reads. He's a great leader. I don't know. What do you think? You're absolutely right. Um, some of the best in the league right now. Justin Simmons, I'm a Denver fan, so I watch mm-hmm. him a lot. His athleticism won't blow you away, but mm-hmm. he's so smart and he just, I mean, the way he's able to read the quarterback and kind of take away a quarter of the field uh play both sides he honestly reminds me of like a little bit less athletic version of earl thomas yeah like absolutely. undersized but like good range on the back end a ball hawk and then like not afraid to come up and hit whatsoever um safety is a mental position yeah 100%. absolutely for sure yeah. I, I watched a lot of the like legion of boom defenses i i'm not really a seahawks fan but i just i love watching good defenses so mm. i watched a ton of their games and like I don't know. I think it's cool that he lands with Javon. I mean, yeah. at, at least they can, you know, he can uh, save on rent until he gets through mini camp, right? <laughs> so, I don't know. I, it is weird though, and I think it, it's almost gonna be weird this year too because you have like Sewell, who could be a first rounder, definitely. You know, I would expect to be Bass is gonna be first or second round if he has a good year. Other than that, though, I don't really know how many other guys on this team could be top three round draft picks. You know, maybe the Dan Lanning effect. Maybe yeah. they have a great year. But it might be the year after that they have that big haul, you know? Yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, definitely. Except With the exception of the O-line. Mm-hmm. We already said it. TJ Bass is going to go. Forsyth is going to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, unless Bo Nix just wows everybody. Uh, do you? I was going to ask you. Potentially. Do you have any, like, yeah, besides, is there anyone on the team you could see, like, if they have a productive year, they could leave and maybe, you know, get drafted on you know, day two? Yeah, that's a good question. Because um, it is a young team, too. That's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, that's so difficult. I feel like for I feel like Oregon wide receivers never have any luck. And the problem, too, is like the, like it, the only one that could really go this year would be Chris Hudson. I just don't think he's going to no. be big enough. Remember Josh Huff, how yeah, huge exactly. he was all those years, and he went like in the fifth round or right. something like that. For me, it's got to be like like I, like if Brandon Dorless does what he does last year, but he's the star of the D-line and he has sack numbers to back it up too, I could see him being a day-two guy. And then Bennett Williams too, like I, I wouldn't be shocked if he could sneak his way into one of the later rounds, maybe not day two. What about DJ Johnson? He'd have to have a monster year just based on like the fact that he's got kind of limited film at DN right now because right. he did play tight end. But yeah, I mean, the, he's got the profile you're looking for. So if he has a productive year, that's definitely another guy. And I think there's probably more guys on defense just because we mentioned like the, the receiving room and the running back room is so young. So unless it's like a, you know, it could be a Forsyth or, a, you know, another one of these like Malasala. Um, but yeah, there's just not like a ton of guys that jump out at you. Yeah. And well, how many people improve their stock tremendously at the combine? Trayvon Walker, did anybody have him going number one overall in any mock draft before that? Just the discourse changes over time, too. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it'll be interesting. I'm excited for August. I'm excited for the game in Atlanta. Um, I'm just excited about Oregon football. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot more fun for me to cover this year. Um, I'll also have more time to to devote to it. But you know, it's it's gonna be interesting. I think the buzz is there. This team looks talented, and they have some guys that I think are gonna like have potential to be really big stars, both personality wise, play style wise. I think they're gonna highlight them, and I'm just excited. Me too. Absolutely, the future is bright. Uh, we already mentioned him, but just acknowledge the product really quick. Kayvon Thibodeau. Do my little sound effect. Went fifth row out of the Giants. Big props to him. Uh, and then all the other people who signed. There was like five, six players. Yeah, hope they, uh, uh, hope they, hope they land. Stay. Hope they do well. Uh, Home Mikhail Wright makes an impression at minicamp and gets yeah. on the team. Yeah, like I said, to close it out, I think all those guys have... Any, we didn't even mention Anthony Brown. He, if it was going to be one team he went to... The Baltimore Ravens. Perfect, perfect. right? Because they have... Run for... The, they yeah. have... Every backup they've had since they got rid of Joe Flacco has mirrored the play style of Lamar. Josh Johnson, right. RG3. And they yeah. had, what was the guy last year? They had the, the guy Tyler from, Huntley from Utah. Tyler Huntley, right? Yep. So, like, Anthony Brown fits that mold, and I'm happy to see him land. I'm happy to see all these guys. George Moore, right? Like, he was at the Packers, you mentioned with That's George right. Moore. So, I don't know. Who knows? Hmm. We'll see. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and until next time, peace. <laughs>